Okay, time to fire up the switch. I got my soda. I got my food. I got... Wait a second here. What? Oh, no. Don't... No. No, 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 no. Hello. Um, allow me to introduce myself. The name's Rossetti. Mr. Rossetti. Have we met before? At the post office, perhaps? Yeah, whatever. Anyway, let me just say thanks for buying this game at Animal Crossing. Um, on behalf of everyone at Nintendo, I... Um... I... What was that next part? Ah, uh, oh, forget it. That's enough. Let's get down to business. What do you say? Because you may not know it, but you and I got issues to discuss. First, let me just tell you what it is I'm doing here, just so there's no misunderstandings later on. You, my friend, reset your game, didn't you? Huh? Maybe on accident, maybe on purpose, but you pressed it. Or maybe you didn't, huh? Maybe you just went and turned the power off without saving. Sound familiar? Uh-huh. What? what Sorry, what was that? I didn't what? catch that last bit. Did you just say I'm right? What did you did you, did you did what I said you did? Alright, you listen and listen good, because I get real angry when I gotta repeat stuff I gotta say. Uh-huh. Alright. Listen here, Rossetti. Put my game back. Yes, ma'am. Now! Y yes ma'am. Or I'll sick the dog on you. Y yes ma'am! <laughs> afternoon good evening good whatever time of day it is welcome to gaming street irregulars i am your host and community planner james irish i am your host and community planner james irish joined as always by by one of our our chief tailors chrissy harding hi everyone and we have an extra special guest in the studio today Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome noted Toronto-based cosplayer, published author, and all-around creative person, Northern Bell Rogue. Woo! Hi there, sugar. Hi. I have heard so much about you, uh, Northern Bell Rogue. Uh, a lot of it is from James. He talks about 99.99999999%. Yeah, is from him. <laughs> well, hopefully all good things. Very much all good things. So, all right. So, James, but what's let's the topic? Our, yes. Yes, we're going to get into Animal Crossing today. This is Nintendo's most unexpected hit and the, one of their longest enduring franchises to come out from the GameCube era. Because, you know, you think of some of the other stuff, the only other one that really comes close that they've, that they've introduced back then would be Pikmin. But even Pikmin is not as prolific as this game which has been a license to print money for Nintendo, especially over this past year with the release of New Horizons. But you have to remember, actually, it didn't come out on the GameCube. It actually came out on the N64 first. Right. Towards the end of the N64's lifetime. 
But those of us here in the West first experienced it on the GameCube. Fair. <laughs> so, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another. And God it's, help you and God help you who lived in pale regions. Mm, very true. And so so Rogue, you you got your you you played the original GameCube version, right? Yep. I recall oh god. I don't even remember how old I would have been, numbers. Uh, it was time ago. But yeah, I remember playing the GameCube version. And I mean, I remember being pretty addicted even to that one, down to things like trying to get the village. Like, I remember writing out actual letters. I don't do that anymore on New Horizons. Everyone just gets like a gift in their letter and a bunch of exclamation points. But I remember <laughs> back in the day when I was a kid and I would legitimately sit there and write out letters to the villagers. Like, yeah, good old days. <laughs> Well, interesting enough, probably um, Dr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Kiyatsi Iguchi would probably have loved the fact that you sat and write letters because the inspiration for Animal Crossing is actually based on his own life. Uh, when he moved from his hometown of Chiba to Kyoto to um, Nintendo headquarters, and he actually, because of the move, he left a lot of his life behind. And he wanted a game where people could connect with other people um, playing with them, talking with them, and how important that was to him. So he wanted to recreate that feeling, and that's actually how he came up with the original Animal Crossing. Well, that definitely makes a lot of sense. I would even argue even more so for things like New Horizons. I mean, I won't lie, there was definitely a break for me, because I know that there's New Leaf and a bunch of other, like, Pocket Camp that I have not played. I went straight from the oldest version of Animal Crossing to the newest. Mm -hmm. uh, so there were definitely some gaps, but I, as, you know, was earlier mentioned, how successful Animal Crossing, specifically New Horizons, has been in the past year. In a time like COVID, do you know what I mean? When we literally can't connect to people, this game has been... You know, it's incomparable, I think, to any other game as far as your ability to connect with people and to connect with a wide range of people. Because I think many of the other multiplayer games I played, not that I haven't enjoyed them, but things like Super Smash Brothers, while fun, it's very competitive. It's very adrenaline based. It's very aggressive. Whereas in Animal Crossing, like you can, you know, hang out and fish with your best friend. You guys can go shopping together. Like it's, it's much more soothing, I find. And so, yeah, I definitely think that that heart of the game, as you mentioned, from his own experience, definitely still, still stands true in the game today. And we will get more into that experience and what getting into Animal Crossing is like right after this very short break. Welcome back. So what we actually are talking about, looking at Animal Crossings, this is actually one of probably the bigger franchises with Nintendo. And it also reflects how Nintendo actually started to kind of rethink their own games and what makes those games work. Another big thing with Animal uh, Crossings is, is it's actually one of the few series that has several spinoff games where Nintendo got to try out some of their newer features with it. Um, like Happy Home Designer, the Amiibo Festival, and Pocket Camp. 
Yes, but Pocket Camp in particular was a mass is I, I say past I'm saying it in past tense, but it's still going. Mm-hmm. It was a massive moneymaker for Nintendo when they mo- started moving into the mobile scene. I think only the Fire Emblem game has exceeded that in terms of earnings. But well, gotcha games will do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, an a- Amiibo Festival actually really kind of showed kind of played with the Amiibo software a little bit to see what they could do with that. It wasn't a very liked game, but it was another way for them to kind of play with the Amiibos a little bit more than other games did. Well, it's I, funny because as someone who hasn't played Pocket Camp, sorry to interject, yeah. I find it very interesting every so often because one of the main aspects I really love about Animal Crossing is all the design elements. And as someone with ADHD, getting to redesign my island in 50 different styles in two days is what I'm here for. But there'll be a lot of times when I'm looking for inspiration and people will show some photos. And for a second, I think I'm looking at New Horizons and then I take a little closer look and it's actually Pocket Camp. And the number of cool items or clothing pieces, et cetera, that players have talked about that are available in Pocket Camp that are not available in New Horizons is apparently quite disheartening, especially for the fairy decor. Apparently there's a lot cooler stuff in Pocket Camp. Hopefully some of that actually makes it along and don't, don't apologize for interjecting rogue. You're the guest here. You, you are the special attraction. Get as much talk in as you want. We want to hear you. Well, you probably don't want to hear me for as long as I've been playing the new horizons game. I've clocked over 1400 hours since getting it in mid June. (laughs) And that's also not including the time you spent on, uh, on Fabio's Switch, too, right? Exactly, yeah. We initially started, my partner and I, with one Switch sharing one island, and it became quite clear quite quickly that that was not going to last for the health of all of our little animal villagers and our relationship. So, yeah, I got a second <laughs> Switch and started my own island. Oh, dear. Yeah, that... <laughs> yeah, she is... She is as hardcore about... Oh, I'm sorry. They are as hardcore. I keep doing that. That's all good. It takes time and practice. But yeah, Rogue is as hardcore about Animal Crossing as I am about old school arcade games. And Chrissy is about Legend of Zelda. Maybe mm-hmm. even more so. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that at oh, all. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I think, yeah, one of my favorite memes about Animal Crossing so far is that it's got the, like, little intro screen, and as opposed to saying New Horizons or Animal Crossing, it says, basically therapy. And I can't help but think, yep. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, no, sometimes the best games are the ones that are, um, what is it, not, comp- not a constant adrenaline rush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And like, I love adrenaline, don't get me wrong. And I enjoy competition a lot. I can be very competitive. But I think there's also something to be said for this game. Like there, I think what makes it so successful is just the amount of different elements that they have involved. So like I mentioned, I already have talked about how I really love the design aspect and building different houses and different homes or different areas on my island. But there are times where, you know, just personally like I'm exhausted it could be from work from mental health whatever but logging in and trying to design a new castle is so overwhelming that I would rather not play but I don't have to do that when I log into the game I can literally just sit on the beach and go fishing I can wander around and just pick up flowers if I feel like it you can do something that's very I don't want to say monotonous because I feel like that has a negative connotation to it but you can do something soothing and repetitive that is low stakes and isn't going to make you feel like a failure at the end of it like oh no I didn't get to level whatever. And it's like, oh no, I missed up picking up a shell. What a shame. Like, it's just, yeah, I think it's 
a better boost for a calming environment, which not that competitive games are bad necessarily, but if you're looking for something to really relax, something that heightens your energy may not be able to provide that in the way that something like Animal Crossing can. Well, it sounds almost like it's meditative. It's it's meditative, where it's like trying to reach a Zen state. Exactly, absolutely. And I think that's definitely more so when you're playing by yourself. And I will be the first to admit, when I first got on, there were a lot of my friends that were still playing a lot, and then a lot of my friends who had already purchased it from March. By the time June rolled around and later, some of them had weaned off the game and were less excited about it. So I sort of felt alone. I guess there was a time where I was like, oh, okay, well, no one's really around. I can't visit anyone's island. I don't really feel like decorating or doing anything. But that's why it's so brilliant that they have the social element to it where you can visit other islands and having social media like Facebook or Twitter or um, Discord or whatever, being able to find other random players who have, you know, oh, we both have Gothic islands and we really like this. Or, oh, we both really like fairy items. Just being able to find other random people that you can have a positive connection with, not just a, I'm going to beat your face in, like, ha, suck it, I win. Like, okay, cool, but... I'd rather have this moment with the stranger where it's like, oh, you've been looking for this diner clock forever. I totally have it. I can order it for you. Oh my God, are you sure? What do you want? Oh, nothing. Don't worry. Like that kind of environment, being able to have that sort of very charitable, positive area. You know what I mean? It can be meditative on your own and you can definitely have your own experience to just sort of like chill and kind of like box breathing style, calm down and play the game. But it's also something where you, if you want to have that social element and have more activity, you can do that. Like for example, a few of my friends and I, we've actually managed to find ways to have competitions in Animal Crossing. So, for example, uh, last Friday, a few of us went to one of my friend's islands and she had set up chairs in different areas of the island. Five chairs, four chairs, three chairs, two chairs. And we literally played musical chairs where she was operating music. And then basically when it paused, every everyone's trying to get into a chair. And if you didn't get into the chair, then you were out for the next round. So there are definitely elements to heighten the energy if you want something that's more engaging and adrenaline boosting but it's on your own terms. And I think that's what makes it so so widespread and likable is because what my terms are won't be the same for someone else. And we can dictate those in Animal Crossing. Whereas a lot of other games, you are bound to the style of the game or you are bound to the character that you're playing. So, yeah. And you actually reminded me of something that uh, that one of our Facebook mutuals, or at least fa- Facebook group mutuals uh, originated that I that uh, you and I got caught up in for a little bit uh, last year. Uh, you remember the catalog parties? Oh, yeah. No, catalog parties were great. That was another one of those examples where, yeah, ways to meet people or find things, support each other in in a very unique way, right? Like that was something I remember. It's Okay, let me let me rewind and rephrase this. What I love about the game, as I've stated a few times, is the multiple aspects of it. And I think that it's very interesting that with this game, there are, you can kind of recognize certain stages of the game when you're in it. So having played it for as long as I have, and then having friends who got it much more recently than I did, I can remember when all I wanted was flowers. And when someone would invite me to their island, I needed to take like one of every flower and every color and make sure I had them all. And then you get to the point where your island is too many flowers and like you really want nothing to do with flowers because they're just everywhere. And then you move on to like, okay, well- Right. But then it's when you get to that point, it's like, oh, I need these items. So you start building your room and then you're like, oh, but I don't have all these colors. Oh, my God, this item comes in all these colors. And then your next stage becomes like the catalog parties where you start to meet folks and you're like, okay, cool. I can get all these items. And then you have this massive catalog. But then you get to the point where you're like, oh, no, I can't afford any of this. And like, 
man, the amount of time to fish or dive for things like that takes forever. And then the stock market comes into play. And now we've got turnips. And now you're also reaching out to people because you can't bet on the turnips on your own island if you really want to make money. And so, yeah, it really weaves a way to sort of build interaction, whether or not it's even with the same people. But there are definitely stages of how you can work through it. Because I think the issue with many games that are out there is, you know, once you quote beat it or once you finish it or you like you do all the side quests, your option is to stop playing or repeat. And I think that Animal Crossing has done a really good job of finding other elements. Oh, you're done with building houses. Okay, start designing some clothes. You're done with designing clothes. Then, you know, you start to become a fairy godmother and you find new players and like drop a bunch of money on their island and make someone's day. Like it's the kind of thing where I mean, I know other people have obviously gotten tired of it, so I would never say that, you know, it's a game that will keep everyone interested forever. But I think it is so well designed to a point where, you know, even if you did unfortunately restart your island, I have had a couple friends who have lost uh, everything or had to restart. And the community is such that if you walk into almost any Facebook group that is Animal Crossing based and are like, I lost my island. The amount of people that are commenting saying, hey, I can bring you tools. I can bring you this. I have some DIYs you can check. Like it's really good at building that community feel. So yeah, whether it comes from catalog parties where we all get together and make sure we have all the cool items or all the color versions of it, or if it's playing games on each other's island from you know musical chairs to hide and seek, or if it's hanging clothes in people's Abel's shop because you've got some cool designs and people out there want them. Like there's so many different ways to connect. Or perhaps scavenger hunt. Yes. Yep. Scavenger hunts as well. Well, you know, and it's the thing, the cool thing about Animal Crossing is it is, it's all about communication and building those relationships with other people. You may not see them, but you, you, you find something in common and you work together, um, which is a lot of, um, to go back to, because obviously I'm a huge Legend of Zelda fan. That was actually the original purpose of the original Legend of Zelda was people would play the game and then talk to each other about the hints or the secrets that they found and, and tell people where to find stuff and would communicate about the game and build those relationships. And I think Animal Crossing obviously does it a heck of a lot better <laughs> than Zelda did. Well, and I mean, that also comes with time too, right? Because I would argue that, I mean, when I was playing the GameCube version, you know, my only friends were in fact the villagers and trying to like get, I remember it's funny actually when COVID first started, we were pulling out all the old games that we had, partly because I needed to have my partner play Kingdom Hearts because he'd never played Kingdom Hearts and that's just, (gasps) right? So fortunately we remedied that. We even actually had to go out and buy a new PS2 and everything, but worth it. But one of the old games we did pull out was the original Animal Crossing, which he had never played. And so we set it up. And then when we were trying to set up to basically get the second town so that like you could visit somewhere else and get the other fruit because there was no other way to get it and no Nook Miles tickets and no airports and, you know, just Rover at his train station. And you had to either know somebody else or you had to have a second memory card card exactly Mm -hmm. and trying to find a second memory card at this point in the game for the p like or not for the gamecube like there was just so much about it that it was quite a relief uh when new horizons came around for sure um and it was also just nice to have again that open element where it didn't have to be someone i knew yeah it didn't have to be a second memory card it didn't have to be something that i personally set up and then when it went even further and well i guess not technically started brought back dream codes the person also doesn't even have to be online. I don't even have to actively be acting, interacting with someone, but being able to visit someone else's creative space 
um, I find that just also like a wonderful thing to do as well. So yeah, the it definitely takes time to build all those elements in. And I would say New Horizons has been more successful than any previous entity. But I also do think quite honestly, COVID has had a part to play in that as well. I don't, I don't know, like I, I could be talking out my ass here, but I don't know that it would have been as successful as a game if it weren't for COVID, to be honest. Yeah. I think it would have been pretty successful. It's been long enough since there's been a mainline Animal Crossing game in this style on a console. We were talking about Amiibo Festival, and that was more of a board game experience than anything else. Like, I definitely think it would have been successful. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if it would have been like this level. Just down to, and again, I could be speaking very much just from, well, no, I am speaking very much from my own experience. But from sort of my little pocket the amount of people I know that have bought a Switch because of Animal Crossing, not got Animal Crossing because they had a Switch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Let's I actually think... put it this. I think we can actually put it this way. Animal Crossing would have been a brush fire, but without without COVID. But with COVID, it's a full scale forest fire. Yeah, absolutely. Because again, yeah, I think the when people start to realize the sort of social elements of it, like that's what I've seen that's really tied people, like the people who are like the lifers in it, as opposed to the people who set up their island and then are like, yeah, I'll come back and check on my villagers whenever. But the sort of ongoing people, it's, yeah, it's it's so much more about the fact that, I mean, and again, from my personal experience, like I call my I call my island Quarantown for a reason. I have left my apartment unit five times to like pick up medication only since this whole thing went down. So literally without, Animal Crossing, like my social life would, I mean, not just be non-existent, but what little remnants of it I have would be just so very different. Like, yeah, it's nice to Skype friends and, you know, Jackbox has been a thing, which is nice and okay. But like, there are just, again, so many little elements of being able to play with people, whether it's real time playing musical chairs, hide and seek, scavenger hunts, or even if it's just oh, hey, do you happen to have this? And can you send it to me when you're online? Like even those sort of little side interactions of just having extra reasons or things to talk about, because we don't go out into the world anymore. Do you know what I mean? When you come home, it's like, oh, how was your day? It's like, well, I didn't leave. My day doesn't change, not in the same way that it used to. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the elements, and again, just the friends I know personally who have purchased the Switch for the game versus purchasing the game because they already had the system has been very... I mean, I love it personally. It's great. I have more people to play with, more islands to go to, and more people to fairy godmother. So I definitely think it's it's been a very wonderful experience. And, then the, and that the, actually reminds me, Chrissy, have mm-hmm. you picked up uh, New Horizons yet? I have not picked up New Horizons yet. I have New Leaf on my <gasps> DS. I, I have New Leaf on my DS. And and New Horizons, like I said, I, I do retro gaming. So it's kind of in my DS. It's or not in my DS. It's not my switches in my like little like wish list. But I've been trying to kind of finish up uh, Breath of Fire before I start anything else that will become me thousands and thousands of hours. Yeah, no, that is the one thing I will highly recommend. If you are like mid, like finish. If there's games you want to finish first, definitely do that. I, I will admit, I also happen to be so fortunate as to be gifted a great copy of Spyro, which was one of my favorite games as a kid from James, actually. (laughs) And I like, I worship Spyro and the Crystal Dragons, and it was absolutely one of my favorite games. Oh, yeah, that's an amazing game. Let me hang on. I'm literally because I can do this right now because I have my switch on my desk here. I'm going to check my hour count. So I actually got Spyro right around the same time. 
that I got Animal Crossing New Horizons. Spyro Reignited Trilogy, played for two hours or more. Animal Crossing New Horizon, played for 1,400 hours or more. Smash Bros, played for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's, and because that's one of the things with it is that's what I've heard. It's like, oh, if you pick up New Horizons, don't pick up, you can't pick up another game until you like, because you will sink a lot of time into it. And I'm that person who will get sucked into a game to the point mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, you want me to wait? There's not. Yeah. In a moment. <laughs> like I'll be like, no, yeah. no. Um, so I'm like, kind of, that's part of me where I'm like, I want, I'm going to play it eventually. It is on my list of games to play. I have new leaf on my DS. Um, I had just been reintroduced to breath of fire, although breath of fire is getting on my nerves because I keep forgetting how much of a high encounter rate that freaking game has mm. like two steps encounter, two steps encounter. And it's like, yeah i don't have the patience for that yeah (laughs) question um because i never played new leaf and so i'm not as familiar with it um i don't know this might this might sound like a silly question for someone who's like clocked as many hours in animal crossing as i have does it have updates in the same way that new horizon has which what was that question again so does new leaf have updates in the same way that new horizons has so like for example like when mardi gras or like Christmas time, they've done these little updates to the game where like new items get released. Does New Leaf have that same kind no. of thing? No. In fact, interestingly enough, New Horizon is actually one of the first games that has had so much post content, post launch content added to it. Uh, in New Leaf, you actually you start the game as the mayor of the town, so you have to kind of Order. solve. All- yeah, so you have to like. Run around and don't worry. Tortimer's still alive. He's just retired. He's retired, and you can go to see him, and he gives you advice. But you kind of end up becoming like the quote unquote mayor. So you're kind of running around like it's 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 a game of I call I call it the never ending fetch quest game. Ah, fair. Which is nothing wrong with because fetch quests are kind of fun. Yeah, that's what I remember a lot of the the GameCube version was like, cool, when you're bored, it's like, well, I can go fishing for the same four fish, or I can just run around and ask villagers what they need. Oh, <laughs> and, you, everything and, along. You can, and you can catch sharks in New Leaf. Yeah, so literally, that was actually my partner, Fab, he is huge into sharks. Jaws is one of his absolute favorite movies. And that was actually one of the main selling points where as soon as someone else, one of our friends had posted that he caught his first great white shark, I was scrolling through my newsfeed and we both saw it at the same time and looked at each other and went, all right. And that's when uh, New Horizons was purchased. There you go. (laughs) But my other question is because I actually never, I did not have a GameCube uh, N64 when I was younger. We kind of went, I kind of went from the uh, Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, DS. Like there's a huge jump there in consoles. And I actually had someone did say this. Um, I did hear someone say between New Horizon and the original Animal Crossing. Um, in Animal Crossing, the villagers were more snarky. Yes, absolutely. Where in New Horizons, they're a little bit more bland. Not bland, but like nicer. And it's for one of my friends who loved the fact that there was that snarkiness in Animal Crossing. It's kind. It was kind of a disc. Like it was kind of the... What the hell? Did everyone just, everyone got nice? Yeah, everyone got like disney 
Yeah, I definitely I can definitely uh, speak to that in the sense of so in the original game, my favorite villager was Wolfgang, uh, Blue Wolf, who is one of the snarky villagers. And part of the reason he was my favorite is because I remember the first time I talked to him and he flat out insulted me. I can't even remember what it was, but I remember staring at the screen and like looking over to my stepbrother and being like, did this asshole just say this to me? Like, did this really just happen? And then he was like, yeah, yeah, some of the villagers are jerks. Like, just don't worry about it. He might move away. And I was like, oh, no, no. Like, I'm going to get this villager to like me. Like, I gifted him and I talked to him. I did all these interactions. And then when he finally did the heart react to me one day, I remember walking around my living room like, I am a god. I have tamed the wolf. I have done the thing. He was still saying asshole-ish things to me, but at least he had given me a heart react. So I'm like, cool, we're, we're, we're friends. So when it came to New Horizons and I saw that Wolfgang was still available as a villager that was someone who I absolutely had to get on my island he's my longest running villager and he will never leave but he's not snarky he's not the asshole he used to be yeah it's it's almost like what in the original game he was like house he was just a jerk and mean and sassy whereas like in New Horizons I call him my gramps he just kind of walks around and the comments he makes is like he's the grandpa who's not quite all there in his faculties and he's like do I have a house I think I have a house it's like, oh, you don't need an excuse to talk to old Wolfgang. And it's just like, all right, Gramps, like, I guess you're that dude on my island. But I do miss when you had that sass level. But also, mm-hmm. I remember reading a couple things where it was like, there were a few of them. Rossetti was one. There was someone else, too. Oh, Sui. It's escaping me. Sui. Was that the one that terrified kids? There, She was like the pink pig. She was the purple from this is what I seen. The purple pig who was like, oh, it must be tiring being so poor. Or... I don't. I don't remember her. No, the one. I'm sorry. The one I'm uh, thinking the, of is the Phyllis. snooty personalities. Yes, the snooties. No, I'm thinking more of the NPCs like Rossetti or uh, Phyllis, who is the one who showed up in the mail room like after twelve or whatever, like the nighttime mail clerk, and mm-hmm. she was always like clearly watching her show and wanted nothing to do with you and was like, "Why are you here? Oh my god, do I actually have to serve and talk to you?" And she was just so mean, and I was like, "I don't want to mail things at night anymore. Like I want to mail them during the day when the nice ones there." Um, but yeah, like I definitely I remember reading that there were a few of them where I guess I guess they had gotten so harsh at a certain point in the game where like kids were really upset about it. So they wrote them out. And so I do think it's with a game like Animal Crossing, it's a very hard balance because, yes, it is a kid's game. But yes, it also entices adults. And like, where do you find the line between appropriate for children gameplay and like not giving them night terrors, but also like keeping the fun and the sass yeah. levels <laughs> yeah it's just like like I, I it was such a like when they played it it was like because i know in in new leaf the sass is somewhat there it's like not to the level from what i've seen in gameplays of the original animal crossing like the level of sass in the original animal crossings i was just like that's my kind of game like i'm like that i like I like that sass. I know in New Leaf it's toned down quite a bit. I mean, it's still there. It's just kind of the kind of like the double entendre where if a kid's playing it, they won't notice it, but an adult's like, mm-hmm. ooh, that was yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the only real subtle way they've kind of done that, at least that I've noticed in Animal Crossing New Horizons, uh, is with the names of some of the characters. Because when you see like, a, you know, Angus for the cow, and you're like, ooh, <laughs> that's awkward. <laughs> Little things like that. But I guess. I mean, I guess I can understand in certain ways. And like, I hate to use the term Disneyfied, but just for an easy word to conceptualize it. If New Horizons was really sort of the first one to be this kind of open to the world and you don't know who's going to show up on your island, do you know what I mean? Or yeah. that you, you do want to, I guess, be better safe than sorry. 
That said, though, the fact that they let people program little catchphrases, like I have been to some islands where some villagers have called me some pretty nasty things. And I'm like, ooh, that's a, that's oh a choice my. for a villager to say. Okay. <laughs> I actually want to start talking about the NPCs a little bit because a couple of them, uh, well, what's the best way to describe them other than distressing? Mostly when I... When I think of this, I'm thinking of Zipper. Oh, I'm for those of you out there, who, for the for those of you out there who uh, don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Zipper is the Egg Day uh, special character oh, who, shows yes. up, oh. who shows up on your island when it's around roughly Easter time, and he's excitable. He's apparently a little. Uh, neurotic and his his name zipper is actually kind of meaningful because there's a zipper on the back of his head implying that he's not an animal but wearing a costume so many he's also the only one questions. like that too there's there's apparently another villager oh i can't remember who it is it's not a squid it's somebody with a round head i'm struggling to remember the name but they have like the you know those little like air pocket things where you blow up like you know, floaties for a pool toy or something. There's okay. one of the villagers has that in the back of his head too. And it's like, are you, are you an inflatable suit? Like what, what are you? Like, what are you? Why? <laughs> Why? I don't understand. But also to be honest, things I don't understand about the characters too. Sometimes the way they wear hats and glasses, like you ever seen the hippos wear the glasses? How do you see out of that? You don't see out of that. Why are those glasses on your nose? That does not make sense. But no, I was lucky to actually avoid Zipper because I didn't get the game until June. I actually just heard about Zipper and uh, Egg Day or whatever the heck it's called. Um, so I guess it'll be my first real experience with it coming up. But from what I heard from a lot of people, they really did not like it. It was apparently like the least favorite holiday thing they've done. <laughs> oh, it's coming. It's coming. Oh, yeah. He comes out. He He shows up on March 11th and it is part of Bunny Day. Bunny day, yes, that's what it's called. Bunny day. Thank you. Oh lord. Yeah, I think I might just be time traveling from uh, March to May. You know, <laughs> it might it just might happen that way. <laughs> yeah, and also interesting, uh, there is the internal clock too that that uh, messes with everything as well. I guess um, someone had said that once that they actually turned the clock, like they went ahead like several years to see what would happen to like their their village or their island. And it mm -hmm. was not pretty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fortunately, my island is mostly covered at this point. So, like, even if I time travel, because I, I won't lie, there have been a couple times I've jumped back to June for wedding items because I need those candles. My whole island is full of candles. But if I even jump several months at a time, like, there's very few spaces for weeds to pop up at this point. It's mostly just my villagers being like, where have you been? Why don't you talk to me? What did I do wrong? And you're like, chill out, digital character. Like. I just needed some benches and some candles. Come yeah. Friends. That's why I haven't exactly been on. I've been so occupied with work on this podcast and doing my job that I haven't had much time for Animal Crossing as of late. And I'm just terrified to walk onto the island and suddenly it's turned into uh, the uh, Zoobly Zoo version of Children of the Corn. <laughs> well, if you ever need someone to come help pick up weeds, I'm pretty good at it. Got a fast button press. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, th this is the game that guilt trips if you don't show up on a timely basis. 
Although there are some of the guild trips that they're attempting where I'm like, well, this is a choice. Because I can recall, I don't remember which villager it was, but it was like, oh, what have you, what have I been doing since you've been gone? Well, let's see. I watched a lot of Kung Fu movies and I practiced in my basement and then I hurt myself. And did you know that nobody can hear me scream from my basement? Anyway, welcome back. And you're just like, I'm sorry, what? What? Like, what? Also, lies. I have not seen a basement in your house. I paid off my debt to Nook, thank you. I earned my room expansions and I have a basement. Where's yours? I call shenanigans. Yeah. Oh, and Tom Nook, the ultimate villain. Yeah, he's a he's a although you know what? I don't know. I don't know if he is the ultimate villain, because like I feel like Red is up there too. I I think Red has Tom has it over Tom Nook by a lot because Tom Nook, though his rates are kind of crazy, he will never charge you interest and he will never charge you a late fee. You can pay it off as slow and steady as you want. Red is just downright shady. (laughs) Yeah, I love how it's always like, yeah, I picked up the stuff. It's nice. Yeah. It's like, if this was real, why did you have it last week too? I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. Silly fox. Oh my goodness. I do like the fact though, um, from what I've seen too, is Tom Nook's corporation has expanded with each each, um, installment of uh, Animal Crossing. Because before he he started with Nook's cranny, his little Mm -hmm. scorer. And I guess- Yeah. And then I know like in New Leaf, he's, he's got like, the start of like Nook's corporation. Like, well, yeah, like I remember in the original, there were four upgrades for Nook's cranny. I can't remember all the names, but yeah, it started from the shack and then it got like a little bit bigger. And then by the last one, you got like a nice little sliding glass door and it looked like a Seven Eleven almost. Yeah. And, um, and then, and I like that they also had, as you, I know in New Leaf, they have his nephews, Tommy and Timmy mm-hmm. running the upstairs. And yeah, they get their own store in, uh, they, in it, they start in the tent with Nook in the beginning, but they, yeah, then they get their little own shop in New Horizons, mm-hmm. which is nice. Although I won't lie, I am sad that the walrus isn't around. I don't like that they combined the wallpaper and the flooring and the carpets like all for Sahara. I wish that they had left the walrus because he was adorable. Mm. So what actually got me first into Animal Crossing, uh, is some wasn't any of the aspects we just spent the last half an hour talking <laughs> about, but I was lured in with the promise of retro games because the original Animal Crossing on the N64 had a selection of old Famicom games and NES games, like their version of Donkey Kong and Ice yep. Climber and tennis and golf and so on. And the GameCube version expanded on that, even including, although although we had to use some cheat codes to unlock them, things like Super Mario Brothers and Legend of Zelda and Punch-Out. And it was the response to these and this game that caused Nintendo to re-examine their back catalog and be like, wait a second, we can actually make money off of these games again. Whereas, meanwhile, Mm -hmm. Atari, Midway, Namco, Konami, Capcom, and just about every other company that had been releasing retro compilations looked at them and said, well, duh. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, to be honest, that was actually a disappointing factor, I think, for me in New Horizons. Because when I saw that at one point you could buy the Nintendo Switch from Nook, I expected that much like in the original GameCube game, that when I had the system in, set up in my house, that I'd be able to play something on the system. 
And then it just turned the little switch on and then off. And I was like, oh, really? But you did that in the first rendition. Like, I remember being able to do this. I feel like this is something you should still be able to have here. I hope they bring it back in a, in a future update. I'm not, but I'm also part of me is like, I'm not sure if they will, because they do have the Nintendo online, the, the Switch online, which is all the older games. But so. even if it's not like all of them, or like, even if it's just one random game, like I wouldn't even care which one it was, just that whole like game within a game element, I just thought was so cool and would be one of those nice little things to have, even if it's not, you know, the whole catalog. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, that does remind me, though, that ne next month in March, we are getting yes. some Mario items, finally. Although, I won't lie, though, I want my Master Sword back. You could get the Master Sword in the GameCube version, and I made sure to get one for, like, every room in my house. And the only swords that we have in New Horizons that I can think of are the, the katanas that you get from Gulliver. But otherwise, like, come on, guys. You gave us suits of armor. Give me my Master Sword. Yeah. Well, this come year on. is the 30th anniversary of Zelda, so... When they well, start wrapping up the celebration for that, hopefully. Well, that's what I was thinking as soon as I saw the thing for Mario. I was like, come on, okay, if you're going to do it for Mario, please be willing to do it for other games. Especially because one of the other elements that I really like, kind of similar to the older games, is, I mean, I'm a cosplayer, right? I like dressing up in clothing of different kinds. No surprise to anyone. Uh, so when I first started, I was obsessed with Ables and getting every piece of clothing possible. And some of them, you're like, cool, yeah, this is a random frog costume. This is a shirt. This is a tank top. But some of them, I'm like, this is literally the Kill Bill outfit. This is literally the Pitch Perfect outfit. This yeah. is literally Cinderella's dress. This is Anna and Hans from Frozen. Like the amount of elements in there where it's like, oh, no, it's the cold winter dress or it's whatever. It's the icy gown. It's like, no, that's Elsa's dress. But all these sort of little elements and not just for Disney, although there's some of the easier ones I can pull from. But yeah, like there's the Pitch Perfect, Kill Bill, there's Iron Man, there's all the Sailor Scouts, like having all of these other little elements or nods too. Don't, it doesn't even have to be official. Like it doesn't, you don't have to be like, yes, Zelda Master Sword. But if you could just give me the little nod too with more items in addition to the clothing, I think that would be amazing. And more design slots. There's never oh, enough yeah. design slots. <laughs> And, then yes. pulled, and that's one of the things that pulls also that will pull people into the game or pull people back is making those nods to other things. People love Easter eggs, like mm -hmm. love them, like just like at WandaVision, like and how everyone's talking about it because of all the Easter eggs and the hints and the clues. And it's and we are not going to be spoiling WandaVision for you folks out there. We We are only spoiling video games today. No, we're just we're just saying it's like Shrek, right? There, Naturally, onion, I'm just throwing out it's an onion with layers. And you have layers. to know that there are layers. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out for people who who are thinking, "Oh god, they're going to tell us what happened in episode 5." No, no, so, no. No, no. You know, we, we can't we you know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in our conversations we forget, "Hey, people are listening to this." Well, hey, I'm yeah. also not caught up on one division, so I'd be able exactly. to stop you real quick too. <laughs> No, the spoiling of WandaVision, you will find it over at Monkey Business Podcast. Check Talk it to out. Those guys. Check it out. If you want it spoiled, go see them. Because I think right. we're doing a WandaVision episode at some point. Probably by the time that series has ended. I don't know. They started some stuff in the middle of series two, and it's like, dudes, really? <laughs> Let mm. it finish first. <laughs> well, that. I guess that also gives them the opportunity to talk about speculation. True. And mark another notch on the tangent board. 
Got it. Speaking of speculation, what kind of, I won't lie, I'm obviously assuming that we're going to get, like, because we've had mushroom items, that there's going to be a toadstool item from the Mario <gasps> update. But I'm also wondering, like, I doubt it's going to happen because this is one of those, like, perfect world dreams. But if we could get blocks that you could put in the air, like, as platforms, like the little oh. Mario blocks, do you know what I mean? Oh, yes. Have yes to the question mark blocks, the note blocks, and but exactly, so on. But if, if they weren't resting on the cliffs, right, if they didn't actually have to be tethered to land, but could still make another platform. So like if you still have to work within the, you're only allowed three levels on your island, but let's say I have a land part for level two on the left side and then over on the right, it's just this pure like floating block little platform thing. That would be really neat. Or if they gave us tunnels that you could put in your houses and go from like, I put this tunnel in my house and then I go in it and I show up at resident services. Or like I go down the resident services tunnel and show up at Abel's. Oh, warp pipes. Hmm. Yes, warp pipes. How cool would that be? Nintendo. Across your island. Nintendo, listen to this. This is a right? good idea. Good. Talking idea. to the FBI guy in my computer. Please send this to Nintendo. <laughs> uh, actually, if you're talking to, since you're based in Canada, if you're, if you want to, if you're going to be talking to a U.S. organization, yes, CIA. Yes. <laughs> good old thesis. But nobody really hears about them because they do their job better than the FBI. No kidding. <laughs> well, the FBI isn't meant to be espionage. FBI is meant to be out there, be like, "Hi, we're here to intimidate you." Well, yeah, but okay, sorry, right? CIA, CIA, CIA. They're still in a bunch of movies too. CSIS doesn't do that shit. CSIS is like, no, we don't want to be in your movies. People aren't supposed to know about us. Yeah, it's like it's like MI6, where they're just like, "What? No." Yeah. You can mention have we tried us. Emmy's episode yet? <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> no, we haven't actually. <laughs> we're almost there though. Pemmy's got five. Yeah, five tangents. <laughs> oh, Lord. oh, I do invite someone with ADHD on a on a podcast. Tangents are going to happen. I say, uh, love. yeah, um, you've got to listen to the Street Fighter episode at some point just to see what we're talking about. Heck, we keep bringing it up because it's one of our less downloaded episodes. And it, come on, it's Street Fighter for goodness sakes. Listen, we have we have a host that is not ADHD, and then me who's ADHD, and a guest who's ADHD. We have to, at some point, tie Penemy's episode. No, I'm just weird. <laughs> you're, you're the voice of reason. The weird voice of reason. Hey, nothing wrong with that. Better to be weird than normal. Exactly. Normal's boring. So, so I also want to make sure we talk about my two favorite aspects of Animal Crossing. First up, the museums. Oh my god, the museums. I mean, especially in New Horizons. This is one of the most beautifully designed parts of the game period i love the butterfly garden i i i love the way they designed the fossil exhibit to be like an, an evolutionary chain through through the eras no absolutely as someone who uh because i live in toronto uh here in canada and so there's been quite a few times i've worked and volunteered in a variety of capacities at the royal ontario museum and so when I first got New Horizons, obviously my island was a tent and shambles and deserted, but my, I call her my fairy godmother, Amy, she had had it since the game had been released. And to be honest, when Animal Crossing first came out as a kid, I didn't even really want to play it. But then my stepmom, Amy, was playing it and she's so good at it. And I saw all the amazing things she did with her house. And I was like, okay, well, I have to do this competitive nature. So anyway, when I first got New Horizons, go and visit her island. And she's like, oh, come check out the museum. And I'm thinking from the original game, yeah, yeah, yeah. The museum was kind of lame. Like, I don't really care. I also get annoyed that I have to mail my fossils to the museum and wait the next day for them to come back and identified. So really glad they did away with that. Oh, um, yes. 
But when she took me to the museum, I was I was gobsmacked, especially in the fossil area. Like it felt like walking through the Royal Ontario Museum. Not only the attention to detail to as you mentioned, like the elements of having like the bug area and the aquarium and the fossils, but literally the ways that they've set it up, the ways that they've made the presentation as someone who's worked within a museum, it's ridiculous, the attention to detail and not even the stuff you donate. Like there are certain parts in the bug section when you can see the little side office where they've got the actual like, um, oh, the English word's escaping me. The only ASL is coming, like the investigatory or scientific equipment to do the analysis and sciency things. But like, you don't get to interact with it or use it, but it's just so well decorated and set up and placed that you really do get that feeling. And then the, when they hid the little platform areas too, where like you can go and stand and it adjusts the whole screen. So you get to see like a different oh, wow. angle of the museum. It's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, Chrissy, this is one of the reasons why I'm so excited for you to check out New Horizons, because you used to work at the Strong Museum of Play, a place I am dying to get every guest who's been on the show who has not been there to go to come to Rochester and go there. But, you know, I'm Strong Museum. Gonna kinda I'm going to tell you right now where, where Rogue is. I have to get you to Ontario Place. Oh, I've been to Ontario Place. Well, I mean, what was and, Ontario Place now? Yeah. But um, there is, there's a muse and there was a museum, I think it is Ontario Place, in Mississauga, just outside of Toronto. And it's like an, a science museum. Yep. And all, the Ontario Science Center. The Ontario Science Center. Thank you. I need to get you there because if you like strong, you need to check out this place. Okay. No, so fun fact, the Ontario Science Center a while back used to host one of our smaller conventions, not Fan Expo or Toronto Comic Con, but it was called Atomic Lollipop. And so there were a couple years that they were at a smaller convention center and then it just it it grew so exponentially. And the big thing with Atomic Lollipop versus other conventions where was their focus was primarily on interactive gameplay. And when I say that, it could be board games, digital games, console games, live chess with cosplayers playing the chess pieces. Like, oh, man, why very, haven't I gone to this? Well, unfortunately, it was held at the Science Center, but. I don't think they still expected the capacity that they got. And it was so overfilled, like people couldn't get in, even though like you've seen the Science Center and how huge it is. And oh, yeah. it's perfectly well designed for, you know, kids and people who might knock into things or they're partying and dancing and raving or what have you. Um, actually, Macaulay Culkin's band, if I remember correctly, played, there's something about pizza. Anyway, I digress. Um, but yeah, so I've been to the Ontario Science Center and we actually, the year that I went, I think it was 2015, we did a live body paint actually competition. And so someone did uh, uh, Mad Moxie. I can't remember from Borderlands. That's Borderlands, right? I think. Yes. Um, and then I did Killer Frost from DC's Injustice, Gods Among Us. Oh, I remember this story. And then I can't remember who the third person was. I think they might have been Navi or the Great Fairy from Zelda. No, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the Great Fairy because it was the like leaf yes. thing. Um, and that was yeah. the time they shut the lights out on you. Well, yeah. So in their scheduling, I guess it didn't occur to them because we they had us being painted in the main hall, so people could like walk by and like be like, "Oh, cool, what's going on here?" kind of thing. And then when it was done, the painting part, which takes you know four some odd hours, we would walk the stage, and then the judges would pick a winner. But yeah, I guess they miss miss uh, messed up their scheduling, and so they had a drag show a cosplay drag show happening in the last hour that we were still painting. And so they killed all the lights in the room for the stage, but then we're standing there on the side in the dark being like, hello, hello. We're being painted. Fortunately, one of my friends, Caitlin, Angel, hopped up, grabbed their phone, 
put on the flashlight and literally stood there holding the flashlight over me so that Jim, the artist, could finish painting. So worked out. But yeah, no, Science Center, an amazing place. Definitely a lot of fun. Um, did my Terra from Final Fantasy shoot there as well. Oh, cool. In their, like, in their little grassy, forested kind of place. But yeah, no, it's a great place. Yeah. So- so this is a very long way for us to say, Chrissy, pick up New Horizons, because if you like the Butterfly Garden at the Strong Museum, you're going to love the one in the Animal Crossing Museum. I can't also, wait to see it. If you pick up New Horizons, I would love to fairy godmother you, and I can bring you lots of bells and Nook Miles tickets and DIYs and things. Because honestly, I think, I think as someone who's been clocked 1,400 hours, and while I still love designs and seasonal stuff, the best part of playing this game now is actually finding newer folks and being able to help them pass the sort of mundane grind parts of the game to get to the fun. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, I, so you don't I, have to worry about any of that. <laughs> I'll have to get your information from James. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll, fr- we'll front each other. On, we'll, we'll make our switches friends. <laughs> like it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so sorry. Sorry, so the James. Other, the <laughs> other character I wanted and experience I wanted to talk about was for Animal Crossing was the one appointment I always made sure I kept, whether it was on the GameCube or the Switch, it was always Saturday night. It wouldn't be Saturday night without seeing KK Slider. Oh, <laughs> yes. He's the, you know, the nudist of Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> He's the He's only animal. He's the only animal who doesn't wear clothes and he shows up pure like Jenny from Forrest Gump with only a guitar and he never gets up from that chair. I'm just saying. Do you have a favorite song of his, Rogue? Um, ish. So uh, I have this thing. I have this thing sometimes with my ADHD where auditory things can actually be um, very distracting from games. And so some of his music, because it is so digital, um, for lack of a better word, some of it, like KK Bubblegum that people love, I cannot stand. And I, it, grates my soul however there's been a couple of them particularly uh what is it you can see the cover it's blue he's in the front of it he's got the white uh stale cupcakes okay Um, and stale cupcakes it's very you know ethereal and soft and it just kind of has that i don't know i guess i would say it has more of like a final fantasy or a zelda feel to it than it does uh a mario game feel to it based on the music if that makes sense it does yeah, so I would say Steel Cupcakes would probably be my my favorite. But I also like the KK Dirge, like creepy music. And during Halloween, I had that playing all over my island. I'm not sorry. Okay, I think I know what song we're going to be using to close the podcast with then. There we go. Yeah, he's a K-slider. Yeah. Well, he was, wasn't, he was actually um, based on the composer for the series, uh, Kazumi Totaka. Um, yep, t- or AK a- simply Toto KK. Toto KK, mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool, like they did put like that's kind of neat that they honored like the composer for the series with a character. Absolutely, yeah, and he also did the music for Mario Paint. Mm-hmm. That's right, he did. I think that's yeah one of the coolest things that we've said a number of times in different ways over this is the way this game just sort of honors our lives, like or our generation or our time, like the way it has nods to Disney or to the creators and the composer or to just all these different elements, the old games, the Mario games. Like, I think it's a nice way that sort of, it's like a little tapestry, all these little elements of gameplay. And then you can sort of pick your thread and follow from there, whichever one you want. Yeah. And that's nice because it puts the, 
it puts the player in charge. Exactly. Like, it, and it's the great thing about it. And on that beautiful note of player empowerment, I'm going to empower myself to take a short break so I can catch my breath. <laughs> and we will be back with our with our contact information, our This Day in Gaming History, and we will get things wrapped up. Want to support the Irregulars? Head over to www.patreon.com backslash fc3roc. We're part of the media division of Flower City Comic Con, based in Rochester, New York. We're a nonprofit group. Everything we make off of Patreon and everything else we do goes right back into putting on our future conventions and other events, from reserving the facilities to bringing in guests. If you pledge any amount, even a slim dollar, you will receive improved access to my blog entries, where every Tuesday I go over current video game news and write retrospectives on old-school arcade games, all delivered conveniently to your inbox. There's plenty of other perks and rewards, and if you don't see what you're looking for, reach out to the crew. They'll be happy to work with you. Want to get a hold of us in particular? You can email Christy directly at k-r-i-s-s-i at fc3roc.org. And me at J-A-M-E-S at F-C-3-R-O-C dot org. At the moment, we're still working out most social media matters, but we are indeed on Facebook at Gaming Street Irregulars. Chrissy and I are fairly frequently there sharing news and things we find cool. And begging, I mean asking, for your questions and answers to be used in upcoming episodes. Yeah, asking. That's the ticket. We love hearing from you all, whether you have praise, constructive criticism, or just want to share something cool and gaming-related yourselves. Also, wherever you find FC3 on social media, we're usually not too far behind, so if you reach out to them with something for us, they'll get it to us shortly. Legally speaking, all music, sound effects, voice clips, and so on are the properties of their respective owners. We make no claim to them and have no intention of profiting off of them. Please don't sue us. We have nothing you'd want. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Now for this day in gaming history for February 11th, which is, of course, when this episode goes live. I was looking up the list and there wasn't very much retro or truly fascinating that I saw. But then I stumbled on this on February 11th of 2000. Hasbro Interactive and its Atari Interactive subsidiary file a lawsuit in federal court to enforce the company's copyrights to games including Centipede, Asteroids, and Missile Command. The complaint alleges that eGames, GT Interactive, Extreme Games, MVP Software, Webfoot Technologies, and Varcon Systems blatantly copied games for which Hasbro Interactive owns the exclusive copyrights. Now, you can tell by reading that description that that's already dated because... Hasbro no longer has any say in Atari. I'm not even sure who does now. Atari has changed hands so many different times. Mm. 
Yeah, that's I and, don't know who owns a Qatari right now. And what's worse, Atari doesn't even own all their old games anymore. I mean, you know, obviously some games were held by other companies like Kangaroo was a Sunsoft property and uh, and Food Fight was from Gen- General Computer Corps. But when they when one of the more recent companies that held them declared bankruptcy and started auctioning off assets, someone else swooped in and grabbed Battlezone out from under them. So that's why you don't see Battlezone in current Atari compilations. Which is an absolute shame, because that was a revolutionary title with a ton of great lore, including, well, you know, let's save that for another episode. That's a good idea. And because, I just want to, oh, go ahead. Because I want to, I want to dedicate the rest of this episode to us talking about where we can find Northern Bell on the internet. Uh, so if you want to find me online, uh, currently, and I imagine for most of February 2021, my Instagram is no longer live. Uh, I can best be found on Facebook, and you can either find directly Northern Bell Rogue, or actually, as of just a couple days ago, as this podcast is live, I created a new page specifically for my Animal Crossing content because I have over 5,000 photos and a disgusting amount of footage. So I figured there would be a nice place to spam it all. And so it's ACNH. Quarantown. So if you look up either of those on either Facebook or YouTube, you shall find me. Yes, and you'll also find a bunch of her other cosplay content on YouTube, including some gloriously wonderful Q&As, and uh, one of which is an act of kindness you have done to me that I feel like I will never be done repaying. My Q&As? Yeah, yeah. When you you did one uh, towards the end of the year. Yes, yes. And when you were asked most positive fan experience and you said me, I I blushed so much you could probably see the red from orbit. Hey, but it's true, though. It's it's a nice thing. And it's been a minute since I've been on YouTube, honestly, uh, creating any kind of content. And you'll notice most of my recent content is all Animal Crossing related versus cosplay. But no, I think cosplay is like Animal Crossing in many ways. Right. It's the more ways that we can find different elements or different approaches to connection and to human connection and interaction, I think the better our society will be. Agreed. Uh, Well, Rogue, you could not have possibly been a better guest. I mean, we are now six for six with positive guest experiences, and I hope this ball keeps rolling along. And like we say to all of our guests, you are always welcome at our table. Tangent oh, count sure, for today's have. episode is four. We're one away from tying Pemmy. I'm not too shabby. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll meet him at some point. Uh, in fact, in fact, I recently did a Twitch stream co-hosting with with him. That'll be eventually uploaded to YouTube, where we oh. were playing Shatterhand. Ooh, I can't wait to watch that on the YouTube. But uh, we're gonna. We're going to call it a day here, folks. On behalf of Northern Bell and, of course, Chrissy Harding, I'm James Hi. Irish for Gaming Street Irregulars. Thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, game on. Bye, everyone. <laughs>